Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for following Jesus. If we haven't met yet, my name is Tony. I'm your host. With over a decade in the local church, I care deeply and passionately about helping you follow Jesus in practice. Today's episode's a good one. I got pastor, speaker, marriage coach, and author, Jimmy Rollins. Jimmy has got this incredible new resource out called Love Outside the Lines. It's perfect if you want to learn how to bridge the gap, expand boundaries, and bring unity to a divided world, this conversation is for you. He's an incredible storyteller and a man of God. You might remember we had his wife on the podcast not too long ago, Irene Rollins, and the, the two of them are just this power couple who I'm so glad that I've gotten to know better in this season. So hey, do me a favor. If this uh, conversation is good for you, hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts, leave a rating, a review on iTunes or Spotify, and the highest comment you can give us, share this episode with a friend. Maybe somebody who you know that lives in a divided world. Now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Jimmy Rollins. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited today to have pastor, speaker, and author, movement leader, really, Jimmy Rollins with us. Pastor Jimmy, thank you so much for being here today. It is my pleasure. I am honored. I am honored to be on the podcast. We're going to reclaim some space today. Let's go. (laughs) Well, and the name might sound familiar to some of you because his a wife, Irene Rollins, recently reduced, uh, recently released a resource, Reframe Your Shame. She was on the podcast not too long ago. Uh, Pastor Jimmy, you got big shoes to fill. No, I mean, she's amazing. Uh, she is my better half. She is the only, she's the best half. So uh, I hope I can uh, walk in, in her footsteps. <laughs> I have no doubt that amazing things are going to happen. I love to start with kind of a big question. How would you define the calling that God has placed on your life? Wow, that's a great question. I think calling uh, for some is kind of subjective, if you will. Uh, but I feel like the overall calling in my life, and uh, if I had to like frame it up with one phrase, is if you live an open-handed life, God will keep your hands full. And so the calling on my life, obviously, is to fulfill the Great Commission, But I want to be known for more about what I give away uh, than when I keep. And the message of that God has given me, you know, to go and seek and save those who are lost and proclaim his goodness comes from that ideology like that. Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. So the wisdom, the knowledge, the experience, the path that I have walked, I want to give it away. And so that's what I'm excited about, like this message that God has put in my heart. I, I want to give it away and help as many people as possible. Yeah, your latest resource, Love Outside the Lines. How, how did you know that God wanted you to write this book? Wow. Well, I, I would say first, just from experience, you know, uh, growing up, uh, I was, my dad was just always, uh, he demolished lines. He always was, you know, tearing down strongholds. He was always uh, tearing, you know, going against societal norms and cultural norms and and, and certain ideologies. And and so from a young age, you know, he always was serving people. And that kind of led me on this journey. And we were always in diverse settings uh, and very challenging settings at times. And the Lord really had on my heart uh, that 
You know, how do I love what may not love me back? You know, how do I uh, Mm. position my heart in a position where people who have stereotypical thoughts about me because of a lack of proximity or about someone else or about, you know, a, 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 uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, just breaking outside of the bounds of what is acceptable and preferential. So there are a lot of people who are listening who who just live in the kind of the mundaneness of life. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about how to get outside the lines, but I, I love to ask people, how do you hear the voice of God? Like, how do you know that it's God, Pastor, and not just the burrito you ate the night before? <laughs> well, I, I think all of us have this ability to discern you know, what is gas? Come on. <laughs> or what is, <laughs> and, um, I think for me, God speaks to me very specifically in dreams. Uh, it confirms, mm. uh, in the, you know, through other people that are, you know, have proximity and, and accountability sources in my life. Uh, and he also, it, it just, my heart, it, you know, a lot of, a lot of times when I know it's God, it's like my heart is breaking for the things that, you know, wouldn't normally, break or wouldn't normally concern me. And I just, it, what it does is it, it, I feel like this empathy and compassion and this, you know, will to do something about it. And I think that's how God like evokes this calling, you know, when he called Jeremiah and Jeremiah one five, what he says is like, I put the words in your mouth and I have set you apart. So I feel like God has always set me up to be set apart that I don't fit in anything outside of what he's called me to do. Is that true for everyone? Like, is is that same calling and that set apartness is, does it just look different, but everyone has it? I believe so. I believe everybody has a calling. And I believe that that calling is not full-time ministry. I believe that calling is not working in a, in a church. I believe that calling is living out and pursuing the purpose and passions that God placed on the inside of us and the gifts and using the gifts, the talents, the skills, and the abilities that it's not me focused, but it's kingdom focused and it's building other people. And so you can live out your calling in the mailroom. You can live out your calling, you know, working at Starbucks. You can live out your calling like anywhere. And so I, I think what we have to understand is our calling is so much bigger than our assignment. You know, our assignment is mm. being obedient in seasons. And when God is calling us and we feel shifts and we feel, that's why I like to say like, you know, the purposes of God is not a place. The purposes of God is a posture to being obedient to the things that God has called us to do and be. I'm fervently writing notes, so I apologize. (laughs) When you, when you talk about the difference between your calling and your assignment, over the course of your ministry, you've changed assignments multiple times You've been very obedient. How do you know when it's time to shift the season? I, I honestly feel, uh, for me, it's it's this peace. I, I start to get this divine discontent, and that discontent is like where I'm at is not where I'm supposed to be. I mean, you know, a little bit of my story is I pastored our church for you know, 12 years as a senior pastor, and I shocked everyone, including my wife and my kids, when I was like, man, I feel like God's calling us you know, out to to help 
in this area of diversity and calling us to help pastors and help, you know, the big C church, which is really, if you, if you're listening, you don't know what that is. It's just like more of like helping a, a bunch of churches rather than building and helping my own church. And so what I felt like God saying is I want you to build my church, not your own church. And I, I feel like hmm. that shift in all of us happens when we have this divine discontent where where we are is just not good enough for what God's called us and the passions that he placed us on the inside. So once you start to feel that discontent, you know, we start to pray and we start to, you know, seek counsel. And that's what I did uh, when I when I shifted out of senior pastor. And, and, and I feel like it took 40, I'm 47, I'm 49 years old. It took 49 years old, honestly, for me to be completely in what God's called me to be in. One of the unique parts about your story is that while you're building this massive movement of God at the local church level, your wife was battling some of her own demons, which she was so bold to share on the podcast. How, how do how do Christians live in the tension of wanting to serve God in our kingdom while there's so much disruption in our castle, so to speak? Yeah, well, I, I'll say it this way. I, I think we have, uh, you know, culture church culture, you know, I'd say not Mm. secular culture, uh, has, um, I'd say unknowingly put these standards on people and these standards on ourselves and these standards on leaders uh, that are probably impossible to live up to. And so when we realize that, like, we we are all weak, you know, the Bible says that we all have sinned and falling short of his Mm. glory. And this side of of eternity, there's no such thing as perfection. And I think that people, a lot of Christians are pursuing perfection. And in that pursuit of perfection, it's impossible. And when you let yourself down or when you let down or when you fail or when you mess up or when you sin or when you curse or whatever, you start to feel guilty rather than grace. And we start to cheapen the work of the cross. And so for me, even as a leader and, and for Irene, we, you know, we, we realized about you know, seven, eight years ago, that even as leaders, you know, it's impossible to be perfect. And so what we like Amen. to say now is, you know, uh, f- there's no such thing as perfection, but there is such a thing as freedom. And once, wow. you know, we start thinking about what does it mean to be free? I think it starts at honesty and transparency and vulnerability. And I mean, if we go all the way back to the garden, what was the first thing Adam and Eve did is they hid. And God said, where are you? And I love that fact that when he said, where are you? He was saying, hey, expose yourself. You know, show, tell me where you're at. And I think for us, you know, it says that, you know, scripture says that his power is perfected in our weaknesses. But we don't like to lead with our weaknesses. We just try to lead with our strengths. And so what I've determined, you know, for Irene and I is we are going to be well acquainted with our weaknesses so that we can be well acquainted with the strengths of God. That's good. And that's also kind of played out. You guys have kind of started a ministry for marriages. Absolutely. Um, how does that, what have you learned about God in that process? Kind of like as you work with more and more couples all over the country, how, how did, what have you kind of seen in marriages I'm, I'm just kind of curious to get your insights on that. Well, I think a lot of marriages are just existing, right? I, I yeah. think, uh, you know, we have marriages. Yes, the divorce rate is high. Yes, the divorce rate in, in, in the church 
uh, is high, you know, in the global church. And I think one of the things, you know, if you were to look on the, all of the divorce papers, there's one, uh, you know, synonymous, you know, sentence that says irreconcilable differences, right? Mm. And I think when we start thinking about God's love and we start thinking about and looking at scripture and how uh, Jesus pairs the church, you know, with marriages, right? So like, like love your, you know, spouse, love your spouse, love your spouse like Christ loves the church. And we start thinking about, wow, like these things are together. Well, God's love, there's no such thing as irreconcilable. Everything that's wrong about me, love reconciles, right? Wow. So when I say I'm in love with my wife or I'm in love with my, my, my spouse, what I'm saying is, is that I have the kind of covenant that God has with me that everything that's wrong about mm. my spouse or everything that's broken that God has placed me in their life to be a part of reconciling that back to him. And so what I see in marriages is a lot of people are breaking up because of their differences. But I think our differences don't have to divide us. Our differences can complete us if we lean into them. And the goal would be not to think alike, but to be, but to think together. And so I, that's like a big part of what Irene and I do in marriage. It's also a really big part of this latest resource, Love, Love Outside the Lines. It's really hard to look at the church and think that God is happy with how segregated the church is. Absolutely. When you write a book like this, what's kind of your hope and desire when you, it starts to get out into the world? Well, I, I, first of all, great question. And what I want to say is this, is for everyone who's listening, this is not a book to cure racism, right? This yeah. is not a book to judge, you know, people if they're prejudiced or racist or stereotypical or whatever. And I think a lot of times these kind of conversations are leading with this, you know, accusation and this indictment of someone's heart and someone's character and someone's nature. And so what I like to lead with is saying what this is not. This is not a resource to make anyone feel condemned or guilty, right? I believe God has put, put on my heart this desire, this ability, this passion, this compassion, this empathy to lead people on a discipleship journey to love like God loves, and what that is, is it's like whether I'm black, white, rich, poor, uh, you know, hate, whether you've been offended or not offended, whether, you know, whatever is is on the other side of your line, if you will. How do I love beyond what I feel? How do I love beyond my preferences? How do I love beyond race? How do I love beyond what I'm familiar with or the proximity? And so if we follow in the gospel message of Jesus and that the footsteps of Jesus, we will mm. see that he hated sin, but he loved everyone who were sinners. He was a friend of sinners. And so how do we love outside of what we're comfortable with? How do we love outside of what we prefer? How do we love outside of what generationally our parents or our grandparents have deemed acceptable? And so I think that we, as the body of Christ, have had a version of God's love, but we haven't Amen. had the real, authentic anybody, everybody, and anyone 
that I'm talking about that John 316 that says, you know, whomsoever, right? Like, like if anyone picks up their cross, like the, the scriptures are so inclusive. And even in Acts, it is all inclusive when the Holy Spirit uh, showed up in Acts chapter two, and we shall be witnesses, it said in Acts chapter one, eight, uh, to, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. And so that word uttermost, it, it encapsulates and embodies everybody. And so I think that this love that God has for us, it's time for us to show that love, that same love that was shown to us, to the world. So, so I'm, I'm going to be a little bit bold here. Forgive me if it's too much, but if it's great, if anyone in this world has a reason not to have a generous spirit, I would think it would be an African American male. Yeah, and yet you have this incredible generous spirit where you're you're basically saying, "I want to give you the benefit of the doubt that we can love like Jesus loves." How did you get from pain to generosity? Because I, I would, and I don't know, obviously, but I would just have to assume that being an African-American male in this world has some pain involved in it. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. Like, I, I feel like maybe the word is pain to purpose. I feel like mm. living out this purpose, it, it had to start with pain. And the pain's not over. And maybe you're listening to this and you're like, well, I've got pain too, and and I'm a you know Caucasian male. Well, I've got pain too, and I'm a you know Hispanic male. I've got pain too, and and I think we all have this level of of pain, and I think it is our history uh, that we've experienced that God can lead us to this amazing destiny if we lean into the pain. What I've come to discover is that my pain often points to my purpose. And if the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, what it is, mm. is like, I can't really have a testimony without a test. And what happens is, is God has allowed me and given me this compassion to allow my greatest misery to become a part of his greatest ministry. And that is that not the, the is that not the path of Jesus that he died on a cross and going to, through the pain of nails being you know, driven in his hands and a crown put on his head that ultimately he fulfilled his purpose to, to resurrect from a grave so that we could have life. And so I feel like this, this, these words of resurrection, restoration, redemption, it all comes from you know, going to the ruins of what hurts us. And if we can have more Christ followers lean into that journey. Not it doesn't, it still hurts. Like profiling is still there. Stereotypical thinking is still there. Racism is still there. Hate is still there. But if everybody takes their kickball and goes home and no one, you know, responds in the opposite spirit, there will just be a complete divide and there will be no such thing as unity. Because, I mean, honestly, if we're going to have unity, it, it has to go back to diversity. And if we're going to have diversity, yeah. it has to start at dignity. And so for me, yes, I've been undignified. Yes, I've been profiled. Yes, I've been called names that have, have driven me back. And when I was younger, I responded in hate. I responded in anger. I responded with fear and insecurity. 
But what I'm asking God every day is God help break my heart for the things that breaks your heart. And so it's hard to look at someone who might be racist or might be stereotypical and have compassion for them. But what I've been asking myself is where did that start and how is that going to get fixed unless I have some level of proximity with them? Hey guys, just pausing this conversation with Jimmy to remind you about the upcoming Spirit and Truth Conference, March 9th through 11th here in Dayton, Ohio. The Spirit and Truth Conference is designed to be a fresh breath for you, pastor or church leader, or anybody who wants to get closer to the Lord. I want to make sure that you can come, and so we have a special code for you. Use the term podcast to save $30 off your registration fee. Now's the time to register. Don't wait for prices to increase. I can't wait to see you guys at the Spirit and Truth Conference. Now, let's finish up this conversation with Jimmy. Yeah, hey, I, I want to talk about proximity a little bit. Specifically, I have a friend who's listening. His name is Zach. He lives in a predominantly white neighborhood at, out of a suburb of Dayton. He works from home most of the time. He's a corporate recruiter. He's living his life. He's got a, a wonderful wife. How, how does a guy who's fairly insulated lean in to loving outside the lines? Yeah. Well, I think it's great because I think it's a great question. And one of the things is this, like we just look at loving outside the lines as, you know, if, I don't want you to read this book and says, you know, the only way I can do this is through race. Right. Well, there's fractures in your family. There, there are yeah. fractures in your biological family. You know, <laughs> there, are, there are divisions and, you know, divisiveness with coworkers, right? So how do we, how do we position ourselves to love outside the lines? And so if we look at, at this word diversity and we take it outside of skin color, right? We, we can say like, man, if, if, am I loving outside of, you know, what I prefer? And I think so everyone has preferences. Everyone has biases. Everyone has ideologies that have been passed down that we have to ask ourselves, is this the heart of God? Is this the nature of a Christ follower? Is this the gospel message? And I think now as we start to embrace the message, the gospel message of love, now we can say, what can we appropriate that to? Right? So I can appropriate that to my family. I can appropriate that to, but ultimately, yes, this book, I want you to appropriate it to someone who doesn't look like you someone who doesn't act like you, someone who's not around you, you know, someone who doesn't vote like you. So how do we love outside of those lines? I think as Christ followers, and I'll say this to end this thought, I think the world knows what we're against. Yeah. I'm not sure if the world knows what we're for. Okay. Okay, pastor. She so just convicted a whole bunch of people. <laughs> What does self-evaluation look like? Like, how do I even know where my lines are? Well, I, I think it's, it's, let's look at where you're comfortable, right? Like, it's easy. Like you said, wake up every day and do life the way you've been doing life. But I mean, the, the, the God, am I living out the great commission? Hmm. So if I'm a Christian and all I hang around is Christians, right? If I'm, if I go to church and all I'm hanging around is church people, here, here's the question. Am, am I fulfilling and living out the Great Commission personally? Right? Is there, is there, do I have proximity with sinners? Do I have proximity with 
lost people. I like I like to say this. Let me ask you a question. If, if you if you were to come to my house and you, sh- you saw me with a fishing pole and I was fishing in an aquarium in my house, you'd be like, man, he's weird. Right. He's, <laughs> like, that, that's strange. Why would you say that's strange? Because I'm fishing for fish that are already caught. Hmm. And I think a lot of times in the body of Christ, us just hanging around people like us, it's kind of like fishing in an aquarium. Like our job is to save and seek those are lost. So I got to hang around some lost people. And if I'm going to hang around some lost people, my heart is going to have to break for the things that I might not agree with. I cannot ostracize the people I'm called to. Hmm. Heavy, huh? <laughs> it, it's good. It's really good. I, and I, I actually think Christians are often very inbred, and it, so, so it, the message, message resonates deeply. Yeah. Um, you're, you're a pastor. You're a father, a husband. What, what does that look like for you? Like, let's drill down and get super practical. Absolutely. How's Pastor Jimmy Rollins, author, doing 100 million things, speaking all over the world? How are you finding lost people on a random Tuesday? Well, if you were... Uh, to be with me or spend a day with me, that is my life. I literally, mm. when I am home, uh, I am talking to my neighbors. I am playing golf uh, with guys that I met at the golf range. I am in restaurants talking to people. Uh, I am, when I go, even uh, my son works at the PGA Superstore. I go to the PGA Superstore and just putt for an hour. And you're just ama- amazing the people that you bump into. And, uh, and I think that that is like just doing life. I think as yeah. Christ followers, we, we make it so complex. Like, you know, I got to save and seek those who are lost. No, just be normal, right? Just be a friend. Just, just be nice. You know, I, I think a lot of times, man, if we just lived out the fruit of the spirit, that's it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, you know, self-control. If we just lived out those things, I think we would be more attractional to lost people, and, and, you know, and, and not fishing in that aquarium. <laughs> yeah. Listen, one of our family mantras is, is there's always time to be nice. Absolutely. Because, because I think we, we get so busy sometimes that we trying to accomplish something that we forget that the Lord calls us to just this spirit of kindness. Absolutely. And, and, and you mentioned it earlier that the church isn't very well known for what it's for. It's really known for what it's against. If how, how do how do church cultures how do Christians begin to shift that in, in the world that we live in? Well, I think you know, for me, uh, it's scripture. You know, mm. I think we just got to go and and read the scripture and live it out and be inspired by it. I mean, look at John chapter four, right? Jesus goes and visits a place that no one goes to. No Jews and Samaritans, they don't do life together. And I love how the scripture says he had to go through Samaria. He was purposed to go through Samaria. And he met this woman at a well. A man's not supposed to be talking to a woman. A Jew is not supposed to be, you know, doing, you know, life uh, with, you know, Samaritan people. And he met this woman at a well who had been ostracized by her own people. And he began to dignify her. And when he brought dignity, you know, they begin to embrace diversity. If you look at how that scripture, it's racially charged. You Jews do it this way. You Samaritans worship this way. You know, you, you know, and Jesus says, no, no, no. 
I think it's I think it's not you know, it's ironic that they met at a well. That's the spirit of God. They met at this well and they begin to talk about history and that history led them to unity. And when Jesus, you know, he he woke up something in this woman that his interaction with her went and she changed her own city. Look at the model of that as Christians. Man, we got to follow Jesus. We can't pick and choose. You know, it says love your neighbor as you love yourself. Right. But a lot of times we pick our neighborhoods. It's easy to love (laughs) a neighbor that that's that I just choose to live next to or I choose to do life with or I choose to 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 sit next to at the ball game. So practically, what can we do to look around and ask God, are you calling me to this Samaria? Is this a Mm. place that is there somebody that that doesn't look like me, act like me or even like me that I'm supposed to love? I'm supposed to be kind to so that I can empower them to go change their city. I think that that's, you know, uh, huge. Yeah. I'm hearing everything you're saying and I'm getting super convicted and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Talk to us a little about the role of repentance in this idea about getting outside of the lines, right? Like if if I want to get to, I mean, a new place. Do I have to recognize what I've done wrong in the past? What, how does that go together? How does that go together? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, scripture, I mean, you know, I've been a pastor for, for years and, you know, leading in, you know, a call to action at the end of the message. If we confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we shall be saved. Hmm. I think confession is, is key. I mean, have you ever gone to the doctor for something major and them not ask you about history? They've asked you wow. where you've been, you know, what's your family history, you know, what medications have you taken? And what they're saying is, I need you to tell me what has what has transpired before this moment so that I can prescribe mm. something new for the next moment. And I think as individuals, we have to be honest with ourselves and ask ourselves the question and answer the question. What's our history concerning love? What's our history concerning racism or prejudice or stereotypical thoughts or prejudgment or what's our history? And as we are honest with ourselves, we ask and we repent for those moments. That word repent means turn. And then I can go in a different direction. But you cannot go in a different direction until you first have admitted the division that may have been in your heart or the lines that you may have. I think all of us have lines. I have lines. There's people that I prefer to be around. There's people that I like, this is not just white people or just Hispanic people or just like, no, it's all of our work to do. Whether you're red, yellow, black, or white, we all have lines. And God is calling us to love outside those lines. In this conversation of racial reconciliation, it it's difficult because many of us want someone else to go first. Well, what about that? Well, what about that? What about that? What about that? But it's so easily, it's easy for us to look externally. Very difficult for us to look internally. One of the things I know is that you've got a beautiful family and I'm always trying to steal good ideas for my family. So how do I teach my kids 
to love outside the lines? Like, how do I disciple them in that way and, and kind of try to break through any generational sins or anything that I might be not, not intentionally passing on to my kids? Well, I, I, I literally, the other day, uh, my wife and I were talking and she was talking about uh, there's a family at our church here at Christ Fellowship uh, that uh, they're, they're Caucasian, they're white, and they have adopted uh, two African-American uh, kids and like I think one of them's a toddler and one of them's like a preteen and I was my wife was just so enamored you know by this lady uh, who she introduced me to I think her name's Holly and she was just she said how she goes about her day uh, talking to her kids about how beautiful God's creation is and what she's doing is she's teaching her kids whether they're at the mall to notice hey you see his skin color is darker. How beautiful is that? Isn't that beautiful? Mm. You know, and, and if we teach our kids that the beauty of Christ is the diversity of Christ and the diversity of God is beautiful, man, that's how we get to unity. I think we can empower the next generation to see color, but embrace color, to see difference, but embrace difference. You see, the word unity only exists with the realization of the word diversity. If there wow. is no diversity, there's no such need for the word unity. There's only that word would be replaced with uniformity. But if the word unity is is real, then it has to say that different things have to come together for one purpose. And I think that's what Psalms 133 is talking about, how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity, then we can command a blessing. Then we can see heaven come to earth. Then we can experience revival in our nation. Hey Amen. I'm here for all of that. One of the things you talked about with diversity, I know that there are a lot of church leaders who are listening and right now their church isn't very diverse. How do we get to a place where Sunday morning looks more like the kingdom of God? Wow. I think that's a big question. And I think it starts with leadership, right? I, I think like, I, I'll say it this way. Diversity will not show up in the chairs. Mm. It won't show up in the seats until it first sits in our hearts. And so I'll say this also, like it's impossible if your community is not diverse for your church to be diverse racially. Yeah. But it can be diverse generationally. It can be diverse socioeconomically. It can be diverse, you know, with just this acceptance that lost people, that I don't have preferences. And I think a lot of times because the body of Christ is so into making a point in what we're against that we ostracize lost people. We ostracize people that may have a different lifestyle that's not biblical. We, offer, we ostracize the people we're called to. And so here's my question. Like, can someone who's lost, no matter their choices, no matter their preferences sexually, no matter, like, can, do we have space in our hearts to love them, even though we don't agree with their lifestyle choices? Hmm. And so I'll say this, the church, I think our heart has to be broken again. And I think we can't judge people. Because they sin differently than us.
Yeah, gosh, that's my prayer. <laughs> I just well, I I just think this is such an important topic to dive into, and it's we've been we've talked about big stuff, we've talked about little stuff. Um, I, I'd like to give people one thing that they can do tomorrow to start loving outside the lines. Absolutely. What What's the one recommendation you're going to give for? Our listeners. I think the first thing is, is I would just love, you know, people to pick this book up and, mm-hmm. and, and get through it. You know, I open up uh, in the introduction to just talking about proximity. And I think just noticing, man, God, open my eyes to notice. You know, a lot, I have a lot of white friends. I mean, I have more probably white friends than I have African-American friends. Right. And you know, we've had these in-depth conversations about seeing color, you know, and it's so easy and it can be a cop out to say, I don't see color. No, I want you to see me. And I'm asking God very practically. Are you ready? Just notice. God, open my eyes to notice everything Mm -hmm. that's different about me, everything that's different about other people. And then God, the next step was after I notice, give me the security. Let me get past my insecurity to say hello. Let me get past my insecurity to just give a kind gesture on my face to says, I accept you, even though you're different. And so whether that's a, a woman, a man, a, a child, a, 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 an African-American, a Hispanic, an Asian, just help me to be kind. It's very practical. You know, we're not going to go solve a 400 year issue in four days or four hours or even four minutes. But what can I do to do my part to just love someone? I think another thing, a very practical thing that you said it earlier, pray and just repent. Yeah. I think like, you know, asking God for a new heart. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. God, give me new eyes. Give me a new heart. Give me a new mind. And so people want to like, you know, how can I change this? How can I, how can I, you know, what do I have to do, you know, with policies? What do I have to do? No, 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 no. What do I have to do with compassion? Yeah. What do I have to do with empathy? God, break down this prejudgmental, stereotypical thoughts that, I have. This is what I prayed in my life before I wrote this book. This is the journey I've been on. It's a journey. And it's beautiful. I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens when this book gets out into the world. Um, I have one more question to ask you, but before I do it, I know that my listeners are going to want to connect on you with you all over the interwebs. Where's the best place to learn all about what God is doing in and through you? Absolutely. Well, I think follow me on social media is number one. If you're on Instagram, it's I am Jimmy Rollins. So uh, the at sign, I am Jimmy Rollins. And, uh, and also, you can get the book anywhere. You can go on anywhere books yeah. are sold, Amazon, Books a Million, Barnes & Noble. Uh, but I would love for you to visit my website. There's a video on there. Uh, and also, we're going to be giving away a free resource uh, on the website. Uh, it's kind of like a masterclass, a mastermind on like first steps, some of the questions that you've been asking. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, so I would love for you to go to www.iamjimmyrollins.com, uh, or love outside the lines, the book, uh, the book, love outside the lines and really just embrace the message. And so follow me on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, 
uh, any of those things. I am Jimmy Rollins. Okay. okay, last question I always love to ask people. It's an advice question. I'm going to ask you to go back and give yourself one piece of advice, except I get to name the season of life that you're in. Easy. Let's go. <laughs> I want to take you back to the end of your, of your very first message, the one, the one that you first gave. If you could go back to that younger version of Jimmy, sit knee to knee with him, pull up a chair, hold his hands, look him in the eyes. What, What's the one piece of advice you're giving him? I tell him it's not about you. Mm. I, I I can say for, you know, I'm, I'm 40. I'll be 49 January 24th. And I'll say this. In almost 30 years of ministry now, about 15 years, maybe 20 years of that ministry, I made it about me. I was comfortable. I was building my kingdom. I was building my church. My identity was in what I was building. And about 10 years ago, God broke my heart for the things that breaks his heart. And I fell out of love with success. I fell Mm -hmm. out of love with me. I fell out of insecure comparison. And I just want to tell people, like, play for an audience of one. And that's the audience of God. And you know, that goes back to that philosophy. If you live an open-handed life, God will keep your hands full. And I believe that back then, if I could tell Jimmy, I would say, hey, man, open up your hands. Loosen your grip. This is not about you. This is about the kingdom. It's a great question. Praise, Praise God. God. Pastor, thank you so much for your generosity today, for your heart, Praise for your boldness, um, and for the way that you're doing the kingdom work. I deeply appreciate it. Thank you so much. I deeply appreciate Jimmy's heart and voice and his message of bridging the gap. I think it's so important as we enter into 2023 to be intentional about stepping outside our comfort zone, doing something different. You know, guys, we've got to figure out how to bridge the gap, especially with people that don't look like us. So I'm thankful for him. And if you're thankful for him, follow him on all the socials. Let me know what you thought about the episode. You can hit me up at TWMilt on Instagram at TWMILT. And uh, again, the highest comment you can give us, share this episode with a friend. As always, guys, remember, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.